You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for The Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Well, thanks so much for coming. It's awesome. It's, it's great you know, now we're kind of getting out of the, the pandemic phase of our lives. Hopefully we won't go back into that phase, but it's good to see everybody here this morning, and it's so good to know that people are watching online as well. I love that, that we can have that capability, and so that we can still join together, even if it is in your own living room. And today's sermon is entitled, Loving People That Are Different Than You. All right, and I'm saying it like that, and I'm doing the air bunnies like this because I want to draw the attention to the fact that there is quotations around the word different because that's pretty important right now. All right, so the whole summer, we have been talking about uh, no greater love. All right, the love that God has showed to us. And a few weeks ago, we kind of transitioned into how we can continue to share that love and give that love to other people. Uh, it says in 1 John 4:11, "Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another." It's pretty simple, right? The love that we have received, it is meant to be shared. It is not meant to be kept inside of us. So we are to take the love that God has given us and let it like truly explode from us and let other people know and experience this love as well. And Jesus tells us in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, in the context of telling a lawyer or in a crowd what is the greatest commandment, he tells us that we need to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and also to love our neighbor as ourselves. All right, probably these words, um, there's nothing new for us to hear. Um, and in addition to telling us to love our neighbors, Jesus also tells us in Matthew 5:44 to love your enemies and to love and to pray for those who persecute you. All right, so love your neighbors, love your enemies, and now in my mind this constitutes a, a pretty huge spectrum of people, right? As as long as you know your your neighbors are not your enemies, there's like a, a wide range of people included in all of this. All right, so we're truly commanded to love Everybody, right? Everybody in between neighbor and enemy, we need to be loving. And so uh, I think it's pretty safe to say a blanket statement is, is to love everybody, all right? And I don't think that should come as anything new to anybody else. I think we've, we've, we're probably, we're, we know that and uh, we understand that. And so let's, let's talk about that this week a little bit. And I, and, and I mean, you know, we need to love the people that we work with. All right, we need to love the neighbors that we have that have a yappy dog and maybe they smoke weed in the evening. Uh, we need to love the people that you meet in the grocery store, even the ones with bad attitudes that don't want to be there. Uh, love the people that are indifferent towards us. Love the people that still like classic rock. Love the people that you don't agree with. Uh, love the people that think golf is a sport. <laughs> It's a leisure activity. No. <laughs> love the people that have different lifestyles than your own. Love the people that fit under one of the letters in the LGBTQ2 plus community. 
and also love the people that don't fit there. Love. If we limit our love and we put a boundary around the people whom we love, what good does that do? Jesus himself says that, (laughs) this is my paraphrase, it's just lame and it does nothing. It says in Matthew 5, 46, For if you love those who love you back, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same thing? So as Christ followers, we are called to be creative and courageous in loving everybody, even if we don't agree with them. So how is someone different than you? Now, in in short, I think we all realize we all have differences, and that's what makes us unique. That's one of the best things about living uh, not only in, you know, in our church community here, but in a city like Lethbridge or wherever we find ourselves, there's always people that are are different from us, right, in in many different ways. Uh, But it seems that, to me, that there are are certain differences uh, that, at least in our heads, separate us separate us from other people. If we let these separations be too great a divide, we find it hard, or we find excuses so that we don't have to love those people anymore because, oh, they're, they're different. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't like them. And now it sounds harsh, I know, but I certainly know it to be true in my own life. And I think if we're, if we're all honest with ourselves, we all can probably think of people that fall into the category of those people. A few days ago at work, I was, I'm, I'm a welder, at least till Friday, <laughs> and then I get to be a pastor full-time, which is exciting. But, so, this is still from my, my, my old life of being a welder. I was drilling some holes in metal, and as drill bits are turning, they, they, there's little metal pieces of shavings that come off and make, them, make a big mess. All right? And so usually this is not a problem unless you have a hole in your coveralls, like right here. All right? So they're, they're, I'm drilling and they're flying right into this hole in my coveralls. And I was doing this first thing in the morning. I was drilling a whole bunch of holes. And then all day, as the day progressed, these bits of very, very small metal uh, slowly migrated down underneath my coveralls and made their way down my leg. And then they finally found a, a resting spot in between my sock and my work boot. Thumbs up to that. I, I, I was pulling these bits of metal out of my sock like literally all day. Every 15 minutes, I was like, man, that's scratchy. What's that? And it's like, oh, it's another piece of metal. And so even as I was leaving work at 4.30, I was sitting in my car and I was still pulling pieces, these annoyances, out of my shoe and my work boot. And (laughs) I love the way that God speaks to me. This is proof in my mind that he has a sense of humor. Because as I was sitting in my car at the end of the day, pulling out more pieces of metal so that they wouldn't scratch me and they wouldn't annoy me, I, I... God all of a sudden says to me, have you ever considered the things that you need to deal with in your own life before you deal with things in other people's lives? I was like, oh, that's what this is all about. <laughs> I'm like, man, that, that took nine hours for me to, to figure out the, this, this lesson that God really wanted me to learn. 
Thanks, God. Thank you for pulling a theological point out of metal shavings in my sock. But just think about this for a second, and, I, and it made me think, because sometimes the first step in loving people that are different than you is to deal with our own preconceived ideas and to repent of the things that we use to mentally separate us and them and those people. Now, in our minds, these can be seemingly small things, but kind of like the metal shavings in my sock, they can be annoying and they can cause us pain. They can cause, you know, us pain. Because they spend a lot of time in our brains and they start to fester and they start to, you know, breed lots of of different ideas and emotions and thoughts. And we need to confess these things. And we need to get rid of them And I think before we can actually start to truly show God's love to other people. And these ideas, they can include things like that somehow the color of someone's skin or the difference in their culture makes them not worthy of God's love. Or the idea that that someone's gender identity or sexuality makes them less an image bearer of God. The idea that someone's ideas about who God is or even if there is really a God can somehow lead to God not loving that person anymore. Or the idea that someone's mental health or physical health or state of cleanliness or or their political opinions or anything else can make them too hard to love. We need to repent of these sinful ideas and plead for God's mercy as we strive to love all people regardless of whether or, they, whether or not they are the same as us. It comes down to the fact that we are all God's children. We are all made in the image of God. And nothing that, does, that, nothing that anyone does diminishes those marks of the Creator on us. God loved the whole world enough to send his son Jesus to die for everybody. And if that's the case, which I believe it is, who are we to say that some people are less worthy of the love of Christ, that we can show them? So this morning, I want to I read the story of Jesus and how he met this man named Zacchaeus. And I think it's a really interesting story for this, this morning. So, if you want to turn, or I guess look on the screen, to Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. And we'll pick up the story as Jesus was entering the city of Jericho. And so it says in verse 1 of Luke chapter 19, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. Oh, he's gone in to be the guest of a a man who is a sinner. 
And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I think it's pretty safe to say Zacchaeus was probably one of the most hated men in the whole city of Jericho. He was a tax collector. All right? I don't think any of us really appreciate paying taxes, but back then I think it was even worse because these tax people, these tax men, uh, regularly and consistently took more money than they should. All right? He was probably a Jew, but he was a traitor or seen as a traitor to his own people because he worked for the Roman government, the Roman Empire. And so it's, it's known that these men were pretty unscrupulous and they were greedy and they took way more money than they should and they just took it for their own personal gain and they were protected by the Roman army. And so the people couldn't really do anything about it. And so Zacchaeus, it says he was the chief tax collector and he had grown rich probably from a lifetime of being in this occupation and doing these unscrupulous practices. And so it's no wonder that people were shocked when Jesus went to his house And so he was definitely different from the other Jews in Jericho, and and people definitely had deemed him unworthy of any sort of love. But he seemed very keen on at least seeing who Jesus was, at least looking at him. So he does something that's very out of character for anyone above the age of 13, and ran ahead and climbed a tree so that he could see Jesus. I think that's pretty, pretty unique, right? I don't know, I don't mind climbing trees, but I tend not to when there's a huge crowd of people around. All right, and so when Jesus comes and he's walking past this tree, walking down the street, he looked up and he saw Zacchaeus sitting in the tree. I don't know, I always try to picture him like, how high was he? Like, was he like, was Jesus having to crane his neck and he was like way up there? Or was he like a portly middle-aged fellow so he was like just a few feet above the ground? I don't know. I think it's just, it's an interesting mental picture. So after you're done today, you know, talk to your kids about the story, but then also think about a uh, middle-aged guy sitting in a tree. I think that's pretty cool. And so Jesus decides to not make a big deal of this grown man sitting in a tree and call him out for that, making fun of him, but he calls him down by name and, he, and invites himself over to his house <laughs> with a sense of urgency. Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. Okay, cool. This obviously had a great impact on Zacchaeus and, <laughs> and then he shimmied down from the tree. <laughs> Oh man, middle-aged guy in a robe, shimmying down from a tree. And Jesus took, and, and then he took Jesus to his house. So this is, this is what was going on in my head all week, just thinking about that and chuckling to myself. So here, this is where we get, though, right after that, we, we get a, a sense of, of the tax collector's differentness um, as seen in, the, in this story. Uh, the Bible tells us that they whoever they are, they, all the city of Jericho, all were all grumbling and they were upset that Jesus was going over to Zacchaeus' house, but he's a sinner. Doesn't Jesus know that? The general population of Jericho, who were probably excited to see Jesus, 
Oh, where was I? Oh yeah, they were excited to see Jesus and were probably, you know, following him through the streets. It wasn't just a small, like it wasn't Jesus just walking by himself. I'm sure there was lots of people around. So they all witnessed him calling Zacchaeus down from this tree. And then they, they, what? He's going to his house? They were all astonished that Jesus invited himself over to a sinner's house. Oh my. It doesn't tell us though, what happens actually at Zacchaeus's house. I think that would have been a very interesting scenario to actually know what's happened. But the simple fact that Jesus called Zacchaeus by name and went to have supper with him or hang out at his house had a profound effect on the whole economy, the whole life of Jericho. Because as it, as it says in the scriptures, Jesus, or Zacchaeus responds to Jesus by a complete change in the way he did his life and he did his job. Everything about him changed in an instant. And he says to Jesus, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. That's a lot. If he was very rich, giving away half of his things and giving to the poor. And he goes on, And if I have defrauded anyone of anything... I will restore it fourfold. That's amazing. So if Zacchaeus had, un, had like defrauded you a hundred bucks, he would give you $400 back. That's a, that's a change in economy right there. Jesus didn't see Zacchaeus as the other people did. They didn't see, he didn't see them as they, whoever that was, did. He saw Zacchaeus as someone who was truly no different than anybody else. Zacchaeus just needed someone to reach out to him and to love him. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus demolished the differentness that other people had put up and actually reached out to him, called him. Life changed ensued. And Jesus responds to him, today salvation has come to this house. Since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. All of a sudden, Zacchaeus is back in the family of Abraham. He's all of a sudden a Jew again. Whereas before he was seen as a traitor and an outsider. And so I ask you, are we willing to step out and bravely love other people who are seen as enemies, who are seen as different? Can we repent of the walls that separate us from others, and can we take the first steps in reaching out to people? And so let's talk about a few things we can do in, in real life to love the people that are around us that we, we might find different. And I'd say the first step of sharing God's love with someone is to pray. All right, I've, I've worked with guys in the past that I didn't like at first. All right, I think we can all kind of agree with that. There's people that maybe just rub, rub us the wrong way. And it, as time went on, I realized that just working with them and not liking them because of the behavior or their language or something like that was not really a good long-term option. All right, it's always nice. It's always, a, an, you know, an added bonus. It's always really 
exceptional to actually like the people that you work with. And so I started to pray for them. I started to pray that God would bless them and, and to be generous to them and to, to you know, just a, a general sense of, of mercy and grace on their lives. And I started to pray as well that God would change my heart toward these people. And, and I found it's really hard not to like somebody when you are praying for God's blessing on their lives. All right, those two things just can't go together. All right, and so it's a pretty simple step. But if we start to pray for the people that you want to love, God will hear your prayers and change your heart and will start to work in their lives as well. The second thing we can do is to take the initiative in becoming friends with different people. Like Jesus literally invited himself over to a tax collector's house. We don't have an excuse. All right? I know that it takes courage to reach out. And I know that it might be hard to start a conversation or to sit down with someone you don't know or that you don't agree with or that has made different life decisions than you. But let's do it. All right? Jesus encourages us in Matthew 5.16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let our light shine as we become friends, as we sit down to, with people and talk to them. A few weeks ago, Pastor Greg was talking about the God of comfort, and he said something that, that really stood out to me. He said that, if, that we sometimes shy away from being uncomfortable because we want to feel safe. And that's a pretty natural reaction. But with the love and comfort that has been given to us by God, it's sometimes up to us to, to bring the comfort to a situation and to bring the love of God into someone else's life. And this made me think that uh, back to when Shar and I were leading the emotionally healthy spirituality course that we did here at the church last winter. Uh, before we started this course, we, we had to, you know, do a little bit of leader training, that sort of thing, and we were watching this video, and one of the things that stood out to me was how, to, how we were encouraged to respond to people that had different opinions than the ones that we had, different ideas. And so the, the video encouraged us to think to ourselves before we responded to this person or these people that thought differently, to ask ourselves the question, I wonder why? I wonder why this person thinks this way. I wonder what has gone in their life, what has gone on in their lives that they respond like this. Now, to have this internal question in our heads helps us to not immediately just shut down the opposing op opinion by starting to argue or debate with them, but instead to ask questions that will help us understand that other person and what's going on in their life. The same is true in any situation when we, talk, when we are talking to someone and we might not agree with everything they say or with the decisions they've made. I wonder why that person thinks that way. I imagine that when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, he didn't immediately judge or start debating with Zacchaeus about the ethics and the morals of tax collecting and condemn him for his work. 
right? I don't think Jesus had anything particularly, you know, against tax collectors, all right? He called Matthew, who was a tax collector, and said, come, follow me, and Matthew did. I don't know what happened in Zacchaeus' house, but I do know that Jesus' anger was usually directed at religious people, and he showed hospitality and grace and love to sinners and people who were different. So I think probably that's the way it went. Hospitality, grace, love towards Zacchaeus. And whatever happened, though, the effects, the, the, what, the, the final effect of what happened was that Jesus, or Zacchaeus' life was changed by Jesus' presence. And so it gives me hope that as believers filled with the Holy Spirit, we too can love people that are different than us and their lives will be changed by God's presence flowing through us. So I encourage you, get to know people. Listen to their stories and ask questions. Don't be afraid of sharing your own opinions and your own values, but do in a way that shows that you love them and that you value their opinion as well. Finally, the third practical thing we can do is to follow what, it, what is known as the golden rule. Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 12, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So pray for people. Listen to people. Get to know people. And then do acts of love. I remember a, a couple winters ago, I think it was a couple winters ago, on a really cold and, and uh, windy Thursday night, uh, we were here at the church for a youth group. And uh, when we were done, there was a lady in a wheelchair and her friend uh, trying to take shelter kind of out in the, the alcove in the, in the front, by the front door. Uh, the, and it was, it was a miserable evening outside. It was really miserable. And these two folks were trying to figure out how to get to the homeless shelter so that they could spend the night there. Uh, but because of the cold and the fact that this lady was in a wheelchair, they were pretty stuck. The, you know, the, the homeless shelter, if you don't know, is across Stafford Drive on the north side there. And so for someone to, in a wheelchair to make it from here to there, cold, windy night, it would be pretty hopeless. They were pretty stuck. And so between Josh and I, uh, we made the very easy decision <laughs> to give them and her wheelchair a ride down to the shelter. And I, I don't want to tell this story to, to brag about what we've done, uh, but to say that showing love to people uh, doesn't have to be this huge orchestrated and planned thing. It doesn't have to be a hard thing. Um, you know, it took Josh and I maybe 10 minutes to, to, you know, load them up, drive them back, and come back. You know, it doesn't have to be this big opportunity or this big thing. I think it's just quite simple. If you see an opportunity to love somebody, just, just do it. Be there for people in their good times and celebrate with them. Be there when they are in crisis and help them and cry with them, sit with them. Just be a loving person. Be Christ to everybody. 
I'm excited about the, the challenges ahead as I step into the role of youth and outreach ministry pastor. Um, as I was preparing for this speaking this morning in the last few weeks, I, I kind of realized that what I'm talking about today is, is basically my job description, <laughs> to love people that are different, all right? To love people that, that don't come to church, and that's okay that they don't come to church, but it's our responsibility to get out there and to love them. You know, and so I, I want to encourage you as well, as we kind of embark on this journey together as a church, you know, I want to encourage and push and challenge you to love people that are different. And at the same time, I want to I ask that you would pray for me as I, you know, seek out opportunities, seek out challenges, and seek out people that we can, as a church and myself as an individual, we can love together. And so let's encourage one another and pray for one another as we go out of the church even today and we love the people that are all around us. Thank you.